All right, we're studying from the book of John. So, uh, first week, I am the bread over here. We talked all about that last week. So I won't talk about it again this week. This week, it's I am the light. Jesus made claims about who he was, and these are big claims. Let's think about what he's saying, what they mean, as we uh, work our way toward Easter in the seven weeks of Lent. So John chapter 8. I want to start at verse 12. So Jesus spoke again to the people and he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. I want you to notice the connection between light and life. I mean, there's a very close connection. Um, The Bible says that God is life. The Bible says God is light. God is the author of life. He also makes the light, right? Okay, let's go on. The Pharisees challenged him. Here you are, uh, appearing on your own witness. Your testimony is not valid. Uh, according to Deuteronomy, they had to have two witnesses. And Jesus answered, Even if I testify on my own behalf, my testify is valid, for I know where I came from and where I'm going, but you have no idea where I came from or where I'm going. You judge by man's standards. I pass judgment on no one. But if I do judge, my decisions are right because I'm not alone. I stand with the Father who sent me. In your own law is written that testimony of two men is valid. I am one, testifies for myself. My other witness is the Father who sent me. And then they asked him, Where is your Father? You did not know me or my Father, Jesus replied. If you knew me, you would know my Father also. He spoke these words, now notice this, while teaching in the temple area near the place where the offerings were put. That's very important. We're going to come back to that, okay? Near the place where the offerings were put. Yet no one sees them because his time had not yet come. Once more, Jesus said to them, I'm going away, and you will look for me, and you will die in your sin. Where I go, you cannot come. And uh, watch for the, the phrase, you will die in your sin, okay? But he continued. Oh, wait a minute. Uh, this made the Jews ask, will he kill himself? Is that why he says... Where I go, you cannot come. But he continued, You are from below, I am from above. Notice the claims that Jesus is making here. You are of this world, I am not of this world. I told you you would die in your sins if you do not believe that I am the one I claim to be. And by the way, in the Greek, if you do not believe that I am, that's what he says, you will indeed die in your sins. Who are you? Just what I've been claiming all along, Jesus replied. I have much to say in judgment of you, but he who sent me is reliable, and what I have heard from him I will tell the world. They did not understand that he was telling them about the Father. So Jesus said, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am the one I claim to be, or as I said before in the Greek, that I am. And that I do nothing... On my own, but speak just what the Father has taught me. The one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do what pleases him. And even as he spoke, many put their faith in him. Uh, Don't put your Bible away. There's several verses uh, yet in John 8 that I want us to look at. We'll look at it in a moment. Uh, Has anyone ever been to Mammoth Caves? Yeah. 
We went camping there at Mammoth Caves with our kids years ago in Kentucky. I recall a couple of things about the place. I recall that it was so hot and so humid that we would go to the, to the campground bathroom and just stand in there because it was air conditioned. I know it's weird, right? But it was, it was, it was so hot. And I remember that when we walked into the caves, it was so cold. In the caves, you needed a, a sweatshirt and your glasses got all fogged when you walked in and when you walked out because the temperature change was so huge. Anyone remember that? And it was chilly down there. And there's another thing I recall about the Mammoth Caves. We were standing down in the biggest of the caves and our guide said that this cave is so big that you could house a 747 in here. That's an airplane. Well, a big one. And I thought, wow. And then they said, just for fun, we're going to turn out the lights. And they turned out the lights. And I, I tell you, I have never been in such darkness in my life. I mean, I looked for my hand. I couldn't. It's like we didn't even have eyes. There was no light whatsoever. And the thought crossed across my mind, you know, being that we're in this huge place and, and the, the trail in was a long time. How are we going to get out of here if there was no light? It would be impossible. I'll die in here, you know. But thankfully there was power. Someone struck a match. And the glow, the brilliance, the brightness of a single match. You could not put out that light with all the darkness of the room. Could not conquer one little bitty match. It's very impressive. Now, Jesus says that he's the light of the world. We read it quickly. We shrug our shoulders and say, oh, Jesus can enlighten us or he's, you know, smart or whatever, which is a very slim summary. It's kind of like saying we can summarize all the planet orbits and stellar formation with the phrase twinkle, twinkle, little star. I wonder what you are. It just doesn't cover it. All through human history, contrast between light and darkness has been associated and I think you know why with moral powers of good and evil you know because light brings goodness it always brings goodness darkness that's where the evil lives right in the Persian uh, Zoroastrian religion for example they taught that the universe was one big struggle between the powers of light and the power of darkness and so uh, fire was a prominent image for them I think I have a picture of that uh, fire up there Do you, you have a picture oh look it doesn't go on the back screen okay so that's, that's Zoroastrianism over there in the, in the side. Anyone know what this one is? Yin-yang, right? The ancient Chinese philosophy that equates the two powers of light and dark as equal and opposite and both necessary for a balanced life. We must have the darkness and we must have the light. So the theory goes. Uh, we don't agree with that. There's something about darkness, something about light. There's a reason. There's, there's a reason why we associate light with goodness and darkness with badness, right? I mean, more crime happens at night than during the day. Have you ever noticed that, that uh, bars tend to be somewhat dark, you know, often without windows at all? Why is that? There's a, there's a reason for these things. Now, the Bible, uh, the Bible's writings equate God with light, and sin and evil are associated with darkness. But they don't for a moment, the writings in the Bible don't for a moment concede that both of them are equal in power or necessary for life. Absolutely not. That's not the Christian religion at all. No, God's 
true mission is to destroy all the powers of darkness, to get rid of it. Uh, so much so that the rabbis of the, uh, of the Old Testament era, uh, the Jewish rabbis, concluded that light was actually one of the names for the coming Messiah. He was to be the light. So I'll give you some examples from the Old Testament about this. Uh, Psalm 27 says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? God's my light. Okay? Nowhere in the Bible will you find it it's saying that God is my light and God is my darkness. I need them both. No, no, no. Uh, Isaiah 60. Arise and shine. Your light has come. The glory of the Lord rises on you. See, darkness covers the earth and thick darkness over the people. But the Lord rises over you. His glory appears to you. Nations will come to your light. And kings to the brightness of your dawn. And of Jesus, John wrote this. And I want you to read it with me. So, ready? In him was life. There's life. And that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. Now, I want you to look at that word darkness for a second. Um, and where it says not understood it, some translations vary on this. Some translations say um, have not comprehended it. Some say have not taken it over or um, overcome it. Those are all legitimate translations. The Greek word is katalambana, which means to take along or take away. Uh, it can be used in the sense of understanding or also in conquering. So we'll come back to that later. That's important, okay? The darkness has not understood it or the darkness has not overcome it. Darkness can't do that to light. All right, we'll, we'll come back to that later. So hang on to that one. There's even deeper uh, content to what Jesus does and says in chapter 8. You will notice in verse 20 that Jesus tells us uh, that Jesus made a claim in the part of the temple uh, where the treasure, where the money was put. It's called the, the treasury. All right? The treasury was in the outer court of the temple called the court of, anyone know? Court of women. Okay? There's like the holy place for God. There's the, the holiest place. There's the holy place where the priests go. There's the court of men. There's the court of the women. And then there's the court of the Gentiles. Right, that's how it was in, in, the, in the temple. The court of women is where the treasury was, where people gave their offerings. And this took place during the time of the Feast of Tabernacles, or the Feast of Booths. Not a telephone booth, but like a tent. Feast of tents or, or the feast of shacks or, or think of feast of lean-tos because during this week, it's a week-long feast, the Jews would all build a little shack or a little lean-to or a tent in their yards and they would sleep in that. You know why? To remind them that Israel had to travel 40 years in the desert sleeping in tents. They never had a firm place to live, but God took care of them. So during this feast of booths or feasts of tabernacles, uh, shelters, um, they would sleep in those to remind them of what the Lord did. So, for example, um, Exodus 13, tw uh, 21 says this, By the day the Lord went ahead of them, this is in the desert, right? In a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way, and by night a pillar of what? Fire to give them what? Light, so they could travel by day or night. Okay? 
So here's images that the Jewish people are very much aware of. Now, you also want to know that, that this light presence of God in the Old Testament would come to rest on the tabernacle. When they built the tabernacle, the precursor to the temple, um, their portable temple, so to speak, uh, this light would, would descend on it and remain on it. And when it raised from the tabernacle on the left, they would go and it came. And when it stayed in the tabernacle or stopped, they would put the tabernacle up and it would stay. And it's just called the Shekinah of God. The Hebrew word Shekinah means presence. It's also called the glory cloud in, in some places. The glory cloud, the presence of God, the Shekinah, okay? would rest in the temple. They would follow the Shekinah through the desert. When it stopped, they would stop. When it started, they would start. So then, at the close of the day, at the Feast of Booths, at the close of each day, the Feast of Booths, in the court of the women, there were four large pillars, monstrous candles, if you will. On top of them were four great bowls, Huge bowls. Think of the Olympic torch lighting ceremony. Okay? Big bowls full of oil, so big that the wick of these bowls, they used a, a pair of the priest's worn out trousers, twisted it all up, made a big wick. Okay? That's how big the, the candle was. And they would, four uh, priestly youths would climb ladders up to the top of these pillars and uh, light these in the evening during the Feast of Booths, and it was said that the light was so strong that, uh, and since the temple was on the mount, the highest place in Jerusalem, every street in Jerusalem could see it. Every street in Jerusalem was, was lit by these, these candles. That's what's happening, and that's the place. Okay, this is, this is the time, Feast of Booths. This is the place, the court of the, uh, of the women where the treasury is, that Jesus stands up and he says what we read today. I am the light. Okay, so this is no small claim here. You see? This is where he says it. When Jesus said it, he was light of the world. He was saying that I am the fire, you know, that led Israel through the desert. I'm the cloud that descended on the tabernacle. I am the Shekinah. I'm the presence of God. I'm the Messiah. I'm salvation. This is why they wanted to kill him. Because this is a very big claim. And they got it. They got it very clearly. That's what he's saying. He's not just saying, hey, I know stuff. No. Way, way more than that. Okay? As you recall, just saying Yahweh. Yahweh is the Hebrew word for for the Lord. Just saying Yahweh means, anyone know? I am. It means I am. No Jew would say that out loud. They would never say that out loud. They would, they would do all kinds of things not to say it out loud. They use other names of God, but they would not say Yahweh. So just for Jesus to say, I am, or Yahweh, that was bold enough. Okay? Now I want you to see something. Uh, look at verse 52 in our text. The Jews exclaimed, Now we know you are demon-possessed. Abraham died, and so did the prophets. And yet you say that if anyone keeps your word, he will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham? He died. So did the prophets. Who do you think you are? Jesus says, If I glorify myself, my glory means nothing. My father 
whom you claim as your God is the one who glorifies me. Though you did not know him, I know him. If I said I did not, I would be a liar like you. But I do know him and keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it and he was glad. Oh, now Jesus is saying, okay, uh, Abraham was waiting for me. Well, you're not even 50 years old. The Jews said to him, and you have seen Abraham? I tell you the truth. What, look at this. I tell you the truth, Jesus answered. Before Abraham was born, I am. Well, this is freaky stuff right here. Okay? Here you have a guy saying, I'm God standing before you. I am. The I am is explicit language of God. In Exodus uh, 3.14, it says, uh, God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to tell the Israelites. I am has sent you, sent me to you. Okay, so you get the idea, right? Now remember last week we said never think of Jesus as merely a nice or simply a nice teacher, you know, from the olden days. Nice, nice helpful people don't say crazy things. Unless they're true. Then we should take them very seriously. So that's what I want to do now. Let's think about it. You, you got a feel for what Jesus is saying when he says, I am the light of the world. Before Abraham was, I am. Hello. If he came in your front door and he said, hello, I am. What would we do? What does Jesus claim to be in his claim to be the light of the world? What does that mean to you and me? If Jesus is the light in the darkness, or the light of the world, the perfect goodness that will bring evil to an end, darkness to an end, then it means a number of things, I think. I'm going to try to say in, in a couple of points that might overlap a little bit. So here's the first one. Since Jesus is the light, the Shekinah glory of God, he's the power that we need to be different when we can't be on our own. I wonder if anybody in the room has ever tried to be different and failed. You know, you want to fix things, you want to be different, you want to be a different kind of person, you try to do it, but you can't do it. You ever tried that? I mean, I've tried it. It's very hard to be different, to be nicer, to be friendlier, you know. You intend to be more generous, but then you don't do it. Um, or, that's, or you want to be kinder with your responses. The Bible says be kind and compassionate to one another and respond kindly. So you say, I'm going to do that. And then that, that one person who, who always counters everything you say, counters you again, and all your dreams about being nicer go out the window, right? You know, you know I guess, and you, you feel dark on the inside. And then you remember that Jesus isn't like that. And then you think, I'm not like Jesus. Wow, I, I, I can't do it. What kind of conclusions do you come to? Well, if you're, if you're like me, you come to conclusions like this. Or if you listen to the devil, you come to these conclusions. It's never going to happen. I'm never going to change. I can't change the way I am. I was born this way. It's just going to stay that way. I can't do the right thing. You know, all those things. Right? You conclude all those things. Listen, it's not true. This is what, this is what Jesus is saying when he says, I am the light. He's saying it's, it's not true. The light is stronger than the dark. Okay? Jesus can change. Even how we feel. Even what we want. Now, it's not always an easy, simple process. 
And sometimes he lets us work at it for a good long time because he just lets us cooperate or not cooperate. But Jesus can change anything. All things are possible with God, the Bible says. Now let's admit it, we, we humans, we feel a lot of unscientific, illogical things these days, don't we? That don't make any scientific sense, but we feel them really strongly. There's a whole world out there wondering, what do I go by? You know, well, here's, here's the thing. Jesus didn't come just to save us from the punishment of our sins in the eternal scheme of things. Okay, not just that. When we face God at the last judgment, we give an account for everything that we've said or done. He came for more than just that, as, as, a, as though that's a just. He came to save us from our sinning now and our bondage to our sinful nature. You know, you felt the bondage where you, where you want the things that, you, that the Bible says you should not want. Right? Or you do the things that God says you should not do and we disagree with Him because we really feel this way. Well, in, in John 12, 46, Jesus says this, I have come into the world so that no one who believes in me should stay in the darkness. So those times that you tell yourself it's no use, I'm never going to change, it's a lie from hell. All things are possible with God. That's one thing he's saying when he says he's light. You can't beat light. By the way, light is the fastest thing we know. I didn't figure out how to fit that into the sermon, so I just threw it out there. Okay. 186,000 miles per second. Okay, second thing. Since Jesus is the light, the Shekinah glory of God, he is the holy guide that we need. Okay? Remember, the Shekinah cloud was Israel's guide through the desert. They followed the presence of God. If you follow the presence of God, it's going to work. If you don't find the, follow the presence of God, you're going to be in the dark. When the cloud moved, the people moved. When the cloud stayed, the people stayed. Kind of, where you go, I go. Right? That was their motto. So on the day... That, uh, here, let me just read Numbers 9 uh, to you. Numbers 9. On the day the, ta- uh, the tabernacle, a tent of testimony was set up. The cloud covered it. From evening till morning, the cloud above the tabernacle looked like fire. That's how it continued to be. The cloud covered it, and at night it looked like fire. Whenever the cloud lifted, this is Numbers 9. If, by the way, if you want to read more about it, there's a whole bunch about it in there. Whenever the cloud lifted from the tent, the Israelites set out. Whenever the cloud settled, the Israelites camped. Okay? God was directing where to, where to go. In other words, they trusted God so much. He said, jump. They said, how high? In their better moments, of course. Can't you just hear some of those Israelites? Yeah, oh man, the cloud's leaving again. I just set up the latrine in the out tent, you know. Now we got to pack it all up. Is there a place in your life where you think, oh man, God said that. Is there a place in your life where you wonder, oh, what should I do? You know the motto, what would Jesus do? It's a very good motto. That's a very good question. What would Jesus do? What would Jesus say? What would, what would Jesus think? And if, and if we're, we're, we're not agreeing with him, you know, you know those times and when it's okay, I mean, when we think it's okay to not agree with him, which is a lot of times, 
We can keep going that way, you know. We, we can do it. God will let us stumble and fall. But if the glory, the Shekinah cloud is going that way and you don't go with it, where are you going to be? In the dark. And that's a little bit harder. Sometimes a lot harder. Let's read this passage from Proverbs chapter 14. Are you ready? There is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to death. Even in laughter the heart may ache and joy may end in grief. The faithless will be fully repaid for their ways and the good man rewarded for his. So there are consequences to the choices that we make. Now what am I saying? I'm saying this, if Jesus is the holy guide, what, what he needs from us, what we need to do is we need to be humble about it. We need to doubt ourselves. Yes, that's, that's right. Do not. We need to not be confident in our choices because that's how we feel. Okay? How we feel is the worst thing to base uh, tr- uh, uh, your, your life on or to stand on. Stand on what's true. That's a little harder because we have to find out what's true. Well, it's very easy to know what we feel. That's what most people do. They just go by what they feel. Doubt what you feel because that is not... We feel a whole lot of things that are really stupid, you know? We mostly feel them when we're younger and teenagers or, or maybe not. I don't know. <laughs> Exercise humility. Now, what is truth? John goes on to write about Jesus later in the book of John that Jesus is the way, the truth, the life, right? So exercise humility in the, in the way you declare your thoughts and opinions. You know, I said teenagers because when I was a teenager, maybe you guys aren't like this, but when I was a teenager, you know, I was quite sure my, of whatever, whatever I thought was the right thing. I was pretty sure I, I knew it. You just wish that all the, te- every, all the world's problems would get solved while we're teenagers when we know everything, you know? But it doesn't seem that we ever do that. I should doubt what I say. I, I think this, and here's the reasons. That's a lot more humble than, this is the way it is. It's just the way it is. After all, we are men and women who have been wrong. Well, I was wrong once last year. Were you? Yeah. But God has never been wrong. So the Shekinah light, he's our guide. All right, third thing, um, if Jesus is the light, the Shekinah glory of God, he's our promised protector, okay? I know it doesn't say promised on there, but I added it later because I thought of it later. He's, our, he's the promise of protection, okay? And that's what makes us um, bold or hopeful. There are two other places in the Bible that mention the, the light of, of life, those two words together, light and life. Okay, there's two other places in the Bible that mention them. So it's a good bet that we could look at them and maybe, you know, do some interpretation about what Jesus means when he says light of life. That's how you, you interpret scripture by scripture, right? So one of them is in Psalm 56, which is all about trusting God. When I'm afraid I will trust in him and God whose word I praise. Remember that? Uh, trusting God in the face of, of all the stuff that life throws at you. All the atrocities, all the tragedies, all the killings, all the wars, all the viruses, all the fears, 
all the possible things that could go wrong. Psalm 56 is all about, I will trust in God. What am I afraid of? I trust in God. Here's the last verse of that psalm. For you have delivered me from death and my feet from stumbling that I may walk before God in the light of life. In the light of life. God's way is what leads to life. When you follow God as your guide, it'll work. It'll work out in the end. We don't always understand how, but it will work out in the end. Romans 3, uh, to, uh, 828, right? For all things work together for the good of those who follow God, who are called according to his purpose, those who love God. Jesus is telling us that he is. He, he says, I am. I am cannot fail. I am is never wrong. I am is the way of life. I am is light. Darkness cannot overtake it. And there's that, there's that uh, Cottle and Bono thing I told you about from John chapter 1. Again, remember? The, all the darkness in the world cannot extinguish one little light because darkness is not a something. Light is a something. Light is not the absence of dark. It is the presence of something. It's the presence of, well, we know, photons, particles of light, right? So remember this. It's the same thing with God. He is the presence. That's what Shekinah is. It's the presence of something. Darkness is merely the absence of that. So when God says, when Jesus says, I am the light of the world, he's proclaiming, He's proclaiming it in a voice that could crush the armies of the world. He's proclaiming uh, in a voice that could crush Satan and everything all in a moment if he wanted to. And Lord knows why he doesn't, but he hasn't told us all. He's proclaiming that good and evil are not equal. They are not opposite powers. His name is above every other name. Every name will bow. All nations, all peoples, the Bible says in Philippians and other places, will bow to this person that means he can take care of us. Whether we live or die, he can take care of us. Without him, our chapter said, you will die in your sins. With him, you will not die in your sins. There's something more, even beyond this world. So I think you can say that Jesus is making an explicit and an enormous, enormous claim here when he says, I am the light of the world. Now, um, if you read further in John, you'll discover that Jesus repeatedly invites us to accept him as our light. Something akin to what Moses said in Deuteronomy 30. And I read this a couple weeks ago, and I was thinking about this, and I think it fits really well. So what I want to do is, um, I want to read it to you, and I want to teach you a, a, a song um, built on it. This day I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you, says Moses. He says this to Israel. I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you be, to set before you life and death, blessings and curses. So now choose one. I suggest you choose life. All right? That's what he says. Choose life so that you and your children may live and you may love the Lord your God and listen to his voice and hold fast to him for the Lord is your life. I think that's the same contrast that we're talking about here, light and darkness. Choose the light. So, so choose it. Decide over and over again. When you feel uh, the, the, the draw of darkness, say it out loud. I say it out loud. I choose the light. 
You know, I choose light. So um, I'm going to teach you a little, a little chorus, and we'll just try this. And I'm going to kind of sing you um, um, what I've been trying to say, okay? So there should be a little chorus up there. Does it say something about choosing? No? All right. I'll teach you the chorus. I'll sing the song. You sing the chorus when I nod at you. Okay? Oh, yeah. Gotta do this. I choose, I choose to step out of shadows. I choose, I choose to enter into light. I choose, I choose you as the one I follow. I choose, I choose, I, I choose life. Try it. I choose, I choose to step out of the shadows. I choose, I choose to enter into light. I choose, I choose you as the one to follow. I choose, I choose, I, I choose life. First verse, each day lies before me, the darkness and the light, the blessings and the cursings, the wrong way and the right. And though you walk beside me, now you offer me a choice. I can look the other way or listen to your voice. Ready? I choose, I choose to step out of the darkness. I choose, I choose to enter into light. I choose, I choose you as the one I follow. I choose, I choose, I, I choose life. The devil, he's a liar. He makes the wrong look good. Sometimes you know I want to do the things I never should. I fight this war within me as I daily lift my sword to choose the sin that tangles or to obey my Lord. I choose, I choose to step out of the shadows. I choose, I choose to enter into light. I choose, I choose you as the one I follow. I choose, I choose, I, I choose life. He's already loved us and he's already come And we're already dancing cause it's already done So let's all just live up to what we've already found And we're all gonna meet him cause we're all heading home Ready? I choose, I choose I choose, I choose to step into the light I choose, I choose you as the one I follow I choose, I choose, I I choose life I can't turn the page There we go 
calls as witnesses the earth, the souls of all the living. I stand before the great white throne and the angels up in heaven. Will I obey or will I stray from your divine commandments? Or will I see that your decrees surpass my understanding? Okay, last song. I choose, I choose to step out of the dark shadows. I choose, I choose to enter into light. I choose, I choose you as the one I follow. I choose, I choose, I. I choose, I choose to step out of the shadows. I choose, I choose to enter into light. I choose, I choose you as the one I follow. I choose, I choose, I, I choose light. That's that's the sense. That's what Moses was saying, and that's what Jesus is inviting us to do. So let's let's pray and and say that. Just say that to God when you're in those situations. Lord Jesus, we right here in your presence, um, we choose life. We choose to step out of that shadow and into your light. And God, we're not going to do it very well. So we pray for your Holy Spirit, because only you can bring times of refreshing. Only you can change us when we can't change ourselves. I wish your love you for that, Lord God. Hear our prayers in Jesus' name. Let God's people say.